If you want to know what the future of Windows looks like, Microsoft showed it off this week. Happy Friday, friends. Hopefully your week, hopefully your week was as good as mine. It was a, it was a good week on this side of the camera. And so hopefully on you know, the, the speaker side of the podcast, whatever it is, uh, was as good as mine. So hopefully you had a good week. And there was Microsoft held uh, their, hi their hybrid Windows event, if you will. Uh, hybrid work, I think is what they call it. It was really hybrid Windows for the part that at least I care about the most and probably most of you do. Uh, lots of other news, so let's just dive into what happened this week. So Microsoft says the Edge sleeping tabs, now these are tabs that you keep up there for a long time and you don't click on, go to sleep, now use even fewer resources. So uh, there you go, it's just Edge is just you know making itself a little bit better. Edge also crossed the version 100 threshold. And so if that matters to you, it's sort of symbolic because we're now out of the double digits, out of the triple, anything else obvious that I can point out, I'm happy to do so. Uh, Edge, by the way, also became, according to StatCounter, the world's second most popular browser. Now, this is this is a bigger deal than most people realize because Microsoft ever, ever since pretty much been recording this podcast, Microsoft's browser positioning has been falling. It's been losing to the Chromes. It eventually lost to like Firefox. Eventually lost to basically everything because nobody really cared for it anymore. And so since they've switched to the Chromium engine, it's coming back up. Now, granted, Microsoft is doing a little heavy-handed sort of force it down your throat, make it the default experience type things to, to really drive those numbers up. But well, they're working at the end of the day. And love it or hate it, Microsoft is doing the right things. And personally, I use Edge now every single day. And because they're on the Chromium engine, it's honestly fine. Like, it's it's, it's fine. Um, so I think it's fine is probably just a good enough benchmark to keep people staying. And so that would be the... Uh, that would be it. Uh, Microsoft also did a reorg. And so this is on the Panos side, I believe. This is also on the Windows side. They now have a dedicated Android like, unit, if you will. So we should see improved experiences, or I should say more cohesive experiences coming to guys like this. The servers, this is the original duo. Uh, and other Android experiences. We also saw some of the phone link stuff and other things else pop out. Uh, but either way, just you know, just, just keep in mind that Microsoft's moving some deck chairs around, and, and that's what's going on. Uh, there's also a new. So this is an interesting one. I believe this came out of a Microsoft hackathon. There's a new feature, I believe, coming to Power Toys called Power Toys Peak. Now, this is a lot like Mac OS Preview, where if if you're not familiar with Preview, I believe it's uh, the Mac key space on any file, it will preview it, just like real, it just pops it right up. It's a really neat experience. It's really good, and OS X or Mac OS does it really, really well. Now, on the Windows side, if you want this feature, there are tons of third parties, third party tools that do this, like Quick Peek and, and I think Seer is another one. There's a bunch of them that exist that do this, some free, some premium, some not, whatever. Uh, but either way, so a hackathon project from Microsoft created a, a tool like this, and it's going to be coming to Power Toys, which is great, and it honestly looks fine, and I have really mixed opinions on this, and you'll, my background now and my career, you'll see why I have mixed opinions on this. First off, um, not opposed to the Power Toys at all. The, the the challenge I have here is that Power Toys is now solving a problem that has been effectively solved by third-party solutions, even free tools, by the way. I think Quick Peek, uh, there's a Quick Peek or Quick Book Look is free in the Microsoft Store, like 200 plus reviews. It's a great little app already solved but now that microsoft is doing it effectively in-house they're going to destroy that market like it, it's not like why would you you can't build a premium product there now because microsoft is doing it for free inside of power toys now it, it's like one of those 
damned if you do, damned if you don't, because on one hand, like, it's a great feature. Like, people are going to love this. On the other hand, like, Microsoft's undermining its own development platform uh, and its own Windows Store. And so as a third, as a, as a person who runs a third-party org that develops Windows software, it's kind of scary uh, in, in some regard that Microsoft could just, through power toys, destroy us. Now, I... I hope that they would not do that. I'd like to think that we have enough differentiator and market clout and everything else. Uh, but the reality is, is that if Microsoft does implement some things that we build in Power Toys, like that destroys our market. Uh, so it's a little scary from a third-party developer perspective. But either way, it does look like it's coming. It looks like it's going to be great. And um, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. They posted it on Reddit, by the way. Uh, I think is where that started to, to show up. So on to like, the, the bigger news of the week. Microsoft had its hybrid Windows event. And you know, the nutshell of this event was really, at least from my perspective, Microsoft explaining how they were going to bring Windows 365 and Windows 11 basically and tie them at the hip. Now, this is a really big deal because Microsoft has desktops that run in the cloud. And obviously, they also have desktops that run locally. That's what like 99% of us are familiar with, these desktops that run locally. But now, with the the features that Microsoft announced, you will be able to boot your hardware directly into a cloud instance or, or directly into a Windows 365 install. And for a lot of people, they may not even know the difference. They're also going to allow you to use, what is it, task switcher or desktop switcher. But think of your virtual desktop space. You'll be able now to put a Windows 365 desktop in that space. So you'll be able to just quickly access it without doing anything else on your PC. And so this is really tying it together. And if you don't believe that this is the future that Microsoft is taking, where Microsoft is taking Windows, I've got some news for you. This is the future because this is, while this is a commercial feature, uh, this is how Microsoft really hopes to differentiate itself from other desktop in the cloud infrastructure space. And it's a, it's a pretty big advantage. I mean, to be able to boot natively to the stuff for IT, it's a really streamlined solution. It's candidly probably what Microsoft does best, taking your own service, putting it inside another service, making it just seamless experience and the fact that you're already authenticated with your uh, more than likely Azure Active Directory account makes this a super seamless process. And if you are a third party in this space, you should be scared because Microsoft will always be able to do this more than likely better than you. And the fact that all these features are shipping will, well, let me get to that point in a second. Uh, all these features are just in box. Whew makes it a little, makes it challenging to compete. I mean, that's that's the best way to describe it. So um, there's also the Windows 11 features that we, anu that we announced, Microsoft announced. Uh, File Explorer tabs, uh, we knew that was coming. There's a new home experience. Um, there's also pins now become favorites. If you paid real attention there, there's tabs. Uh, the, the, the landing page is now called home and that there's also favorites instead of pinned. Microsoft is webifying, if you will, the, the terminology that is using to describe ancient file explorer, which to me, again, look at the news that was on the agenda, bringing the, the cloud desktop locally. You have file explorer being renamed web-like names and components. You can kind of see how Microsoft is building out the future of Windows and how it's going to start to transition through all these phases. The one big thing we didn't get is actual ship dates for this Windows 365 stuff. It's a very, it's coming. Ta-da! Like, but they didn't tell, even File Explorer and some of the security features that were talked about, it's all very, it's coming. But we don't have actual ship dates. And so uh, Microsoft has put itself in what I would typically call like PR debtors, like PR debt or marketing debt. Because now that they've shipped these features, everyone's sitting here just, waiting whoops and i smacked the remote waiting for things like this to arrive which makes it harder to announce other features because if you let's say they go announce something else doesn't matter on windows it's like okay but where's file explorer with tabs um 
where where is it? Like if it's not out. So like they've they've announced something, but they haven't announced when they're going to ship it. And so that that latency between announce and ship is a bad time to announce additional or a challenging time to announce additional product because people are already like, where's all the other stuff you've already promised us that hasn't delivered? Same thing on the Windows 365 side. So um, just just you know just just reflecting on the event, if I could uh, get the words out of my, my early morning mouthers. Um, other things that were announced, live caption, uh, voice accessing, meaning you can use your voice to make uh, improved accessibility in Windows 11, which is awesome. Uh, touch snap layouts, which is exactly like it sounds like. And so um, there were a bunch of good features, but again, missing missing those launch dates and bringing Windows 365 directly into Windows 11 is huge. I think a lot of us, like looking back, it's like, okay, that becomes real obvious, but it's, it don't discount how big of a deal that is for Microsoft trying to upsell those cloud desktops. It's a really, really big deal. So, uh, and on that note, uh, Windows 11 build 22593 uh, has shipped and you can download it now and you can get some of the File Explorer experiences uh, are now available. I will say that the fact that we've already seen tabs in elite version, you know, through some reg hacks, makes me think that that is going to arrive. The question becomes, what is going to arrive in the fall? Because many of us at this event, not to drill back on it, but I was really hoping we were going to see their their one Outlook or one Mail initiative. Mail.exe is 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 on its deathbed. Uh, it is is there and so microsoft is expected to announce a new like one outlook initiative or bringing it all together in-house but we didn't get that there's some other things that weren't announced that we were expecting and so i guess that leaves some room for what they're going to announce for the fall but again here we are um you know, talking about Windows 11, which I candidly I, I quite like. So uh, onto the gaming news, not as much gaming news this week, but there is one really important uh, quality of life update. Microsoft has shipped the April update for Xbox and the HDMI CEC update for the controller is here. Now, what does that mean, Brad? It means that when you hold down the power button on your Xbox controller, it can now switch your TV over to that input. It's a just simple thing. But for somebody like myself who has an Apple TV and an Xbox hooked up, this makes the quality of life update here is good. Hold down Xbox, turns the TV on to the right input, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, there's now also a mute option in the settings that allow you to turn off all like system noises, which is great. Um, another little bit of interesting Xbox news that I cannot personally validate, but that doesn't mean it's not accurate, but I can't. Um, so Xbox stock is now becoming a little bit more plentiful on the shelves. And according to... Um, a writer over on Xbox era, they are claiming that Microsoft paid for chip priority about a year ago, and that's how they were able to bulk up sales. I That's hard to validate. It, it aligns somewhat, but there's things that could, it's hard to understand if that's true or not. And we may not honestly ever know unless Microsoft explicitly comes out and says it. Um, the only thing that we could really tell that would validate that it was inaccurate is if all of a sudden we see Xbox sales just falling off a cliff, right? If if sales start falling off a cliff, that means that it didn't really boost supply. It really more than likely just means that inventory has caught up just through its natural state of selling in the market. I mean, you can remember it's well over a year old at this point. Um, so that is a plausibility, although the PlayStation is still very hard to get, or it could be in fact actually accurate and Microsoft just boosted supply, which really did meet demand, and we should see a nice like leveling off of a, a sales um, at a pretty consistent clip rather than like a, a an off the cliff. Either way, Xbox Series X much easier to get. Uh, we also do know that Microsoft did give some priority to the Xbox Series S early on, and so maybe it could have been a rebalancing of that. 
uh, as well. Also, Halo Infinite uh, patches out. There's a bunch of uh, capture the flag changes, but the more interesting thing to me, the more interesting thing to me, which we will see here, um, if any of you, I'm not going to reference it yet at least, if any of you understand why I'm a little interested in this one, uh, you'll, you've been a long-time listener, and I thank you for your whatever listening patronage, or whatever they call it. Season 2 Halo Infinite is going to have a Battle Royale-like experience, at least according to the description that is found. It's called Last Spartan Standing, and it sounds like a Battle royale light experience. So I'm very interested to see if there's any Battle Royale experiences with that Halo Infinite. And uh, if you get that reference, congratulations, or I'm sorry. Either way, uh, season two does look better because you can earn, I believe it's a th- it costs you a thousand credits to buy it, but you can earn a thousand credits, which means you can buy the next season pass with this season pass earnings. And so uh, I think a lot of us are just salivating for new, fresh content, which Halo Infinite so desperately needs. So uh, anyways, on to the questions of the week, always my favorite part, and I don't just say that because it really is. An old Amiga user says, what are your current thoughts regarding the Surface Pro X and the Surface Duo and Duo 2? Do you still use the other device? So, not this Duo, uh, because this is the Duo 1. Although, I, I will tell you, I do still like the form factor of the Duo 1 better because the Duo 2 has the camera bump, and I get why they did it. I know why they did it, but this just... It still feels nicer in the hand. Um, I do use the Duo 2, especially when testing uh, cloud gaming, because I still think that this form factor is the best way to do Xbox cloud gaming. I, st- I still do, even though I have things like the Razer Kishi and some other stuff, uh, the Xbox, what is it, the Xbone, I can't remember what it's called. Um, I still think that this is kind of like the, the better way to experience, you know, it's either way. Uh, so I still use the Surface Duo 2. I don't have the newer version of the Surface Pro X. So there's a there, there's a newer version, there's the second generation. So instead of that device, I use the Surface Pro 8 quite a bit because it's effectively the same form factor, but you get the Intel chip and it's just, honestly, it's better. You get a higher refresh rate. So I have used the Surface Pro 8. I actually, if you scroll through the Twitter hell that I vomit on in the internet, uh, you will see that I took the Surface Pro 8 on my recent uh, trip out west, and that's what I used on the road. On a somewhat related note, will Start 11 work on Windows on ARM? So for those who aren't aware, I lead the team that builds Start 11, and we ship version 1.2 this week that does taskbar and grouping. Uh, will it work on Windows on ARM? So this is something we have toyed around with, but the, here's here's the most basic reason why we haven't shipped it yet. We don't know if the market's big enough to justify the effort. We can make it work. Like that, I'm not concerned about us porting it over to Windows on ARM. Microsoft has tons of uh, bits about how to do all this stuff. That's that's one conversation. But the market has to be there big enough to justify for us to put the effort in. I mean, take weeks of development time away from other applications and products to ship a new product. And keep in mind, we're a small development shop. Uh, to focus on that, is it the returns justified? I don't personally think it's there yet. I really don't. We know that we will only... There's some math out there that exists that we can do that justifies how big is the PC market versus what's our sell-through rate. And then look at how big we think the windows on our market rate is. What's the sell-through rate? We know that number is going to be small. And it just doesn't seem like it's potentially worth the effort yet. Now, if windows on ARM comes and gets some gravitas behind it and Microsoft really goes all in and we see third parties more specifically going all in like the HP's Lenovo's and Dell shipping tons of these things then it would more than likely be um, uh, worth the effort also this week which I did leave out thanks to the Joe Finn for reminding me he says have you tried out the new out-of-box experience at Microsoft Journal thoughts on Microsoft making another app in box so the journaling app is pretty interesting I believe this started as a Microsoft garage application and graduated if you will into a new journaling app um 
I don't think from, okay, so there's like two parts to this. Like, should it be an inbox app? Like, realistically, what does it matter? Microsoft can just do the same thing they do with all their other apps. It just downloads from the store. It doesn't really increase the weight, easy to remove, um, that sort of thing. From that experience, more than likely, it's fine. I think Microsoft could probably get away with potentially loading it up more on touchscreen first devices, meaning things like the Surface Pro 8 or, uh, well, Surface Duo doesn't run it, but a potential Surface Neo, if you will, uh, the Lenovo's that fold. Um, there's also a, I believe, a Samsung device coming, which I actually think part of this was the genesis for the release of this app is that Microsoft knows that these foldable large screen Windows devices are coming. Actually, they already exist. What am I even saying coming? But Samsung is believed to have one coming up. And so a journaling app would fit very nicely into a demo of an experience. And that is why I believe that Microsoft is building these applications. You gotta remember, you like, like let's read the tea leaves in real time. Microsoft just released a journaling app, which would be great for that. Uh, the past couple of weeks, they've been releasing a bunch of touch enhancements for Windows 11, more specifically tailored for tablet experiences where it hides, auto hides, you swipe up to get access to your apps and that sort of thing. The tea leaves are all there for a more improved tablet experience, which probably means more tablets are coming uh, and hopefully a Surface Neo. So there you go. Uh, Migi says, two questions. How is the Activision acquisition process? Well, it's opaque. Uh, we, we don't get a lot of transparency into what is going on because Microsoft is really at this point at the at the mercy of regulatory insights. So things that have to happen, just as a quick thing, Microsoft says, we're going to buy you. And then they have to go in and file the, the appropriate paperwork. Then the government, not just the U.S., but like the EU and probably other places around the world have to look at it and say, is this anti-competitive? And so that is the stage that we're in where multiple entities are looking at Microsoft right now and Activision saying, is this bad for the market? Should we allow them to do this? That is the stage and we don't have good insight we know that the, the process is you know in process if you will because we've seen paperwork we've heard rumors and murmurs coming out of congress saying like we're going to look into this a little bit closer uh and that sort of thing so that's about it he says and do you think the work environment on microsoft particularly xbox division is in good taste in state i should say good state so i've talked about this i tweeted this about a while a while ago and then it, it keeps getting reiterated as being accurate is that microsoft microsoft is a little too hands-off on some of these developers we've seen some significant delays uh look at halo look at other things um and the problem has manifested not just from games being delayed but also culture inside these companies not really reflecting well on the greater or the bigger org how microsoft conducts itself because they're pretty much being like hey it's one of those double-edged swords. Microsoft has truly kept to its words. Like you became, you become a separate entity and you run yourself and you get your stuff done and you ship and you make us happy, but they've been a little too hands off. And so I don't know if it's so hard to say as a blanket statement, is it in good state? Because there's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be stories of crunch culture or just mean management or just whatever terrible things that come out of the gaming industry. I don't want to dive into those two specifically. Um, those will always come out. And so Microsoft is on, I think Microsoft needs to apply a little bit more pressure to its vendors or first to its studios, I should say. Uh, but at the same time, I think that they know the value in a good title shipping in a good state is way better than uh, forcing them to, to ship something sooner. But there's got to be a right balance. And that balance is what Microsoft uh, is what's going on. Okay. And then he also says, finally, how is your puppy? Uh, my dog is turning four today and he's celebrating by going to the uh, groomer, <laughs> but he is good. Uh, so his name is Royce, Mary Jo Foley. If you're familiar with Miss Foley, uh, she actually named the dog. It's in Rolls Royce is where his names come from. Cause I really like cars. And so I lost out on Porsche because I think Porsche is more of a feminine name, but the dog's a boy. So either way, 
Uh, NGC224 says, is Microsoft going to have a spring Surface event? I originally thought they were. Uh, we haven't heard anything yet. It's still early in the spring. So let's just keep continuing to hold on to uh, that little nugget of information. Uh, Metalbear says, any truth to the notion that Microsoft paid to have chip priority? Talked about this a little bit. It, it's hard. It's really hard because Microsoft would just walk in there and be like, give us priority. Here's the check. Bada bing, bada boom. We're not going to see this as a line item transaction. Um, the best place Microsoft would ever confirm this would actually be during an earnings call, but I don't think that they would actually talk about it. Let me explain why, because that would be, that's sort of, a, that's a tactic for Microsoft. That's insider knowledge that gives them a market and competitive advantage. What would be the point of going out there and saying, look, we paid for priority access. Then every other vendor is going to call up TSM seems like, hey, how much does Microsoft charge you? Add 10%. We want priority over to Microsoft. Like that, that doesn't, that's not a good strategy. So I don't think we'll personally uh, hear it. So uh, also Ren says, I keep hearing about Windows 11 is not ready for businesses on podcasts and on this website, but Microsoft just upgraded 190,000 of its own devices to Windows 11. Does that not count as a business? Let me throw something back at you. Microsoft, if I remember correctly, upgraded about 110-ish thousand devices to Windows 8. You know, Microsoft has to eat. If Microsoft came out and said, no, we're not running Windows 11 internally on, on our business PCs, like what sort of signal would that send to my, to the to the world at that point? Microsoft has to use their own stuff. If they're shipping a software, just that'd be like if Stardock says, you know what, we don't use Start 11 internally. Like why would anybody buy our stuff? So Microsoft absolutely does it. Windows 11, let me let me rephrase that. Windows 11 can run in a business environment. I actually, we actually use Start 11 at Stardock for, as as an example on many of our machines but not all of them but here's the thing windows 10 is just fine like there, there's by taking your let's let's say you have 50,000 pcs in your org other than if upgrading costed you nothing it was done instantly overnight there was no downtime there was no training there was nothing else it was just you woke up everybody had windows 11 and life goes on what would change would you be more profitable probably not would you be more productive you could probably make an argument that you're probably less productive because you're going to have to train people on where the start menu is and how things have changed. And someone's going to be like, Brad, they moved the start menu to the center. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it is. It really is. You don't want to know why? Because people are going to go take the little little bit of mouse and click in that bottom left corner where the start menu has been since, what, 95? And they're going to see a widget world open up and they're going to be like, where are my files? Where are they? Now, granted, Windows 11, you can shove that over there and make that the default experience. More than likely, fine. But at the same time, there's you can maybe argue security, but Windows, it's not like Windows 10 is a slouch on security either. Let's just be honest here for a second. So moving all these people over to Windows 11 doesn't really move the needle in terms of productivity or profitability. So uh, it, it's ready for business, but Microsoft hasn't still hasn't made a compelling reason as to why businesses should run it. There's a, there was a reason to go from eight to 10 for sure, because it was the user experience was back to where it should be. And there's even an argument that going from 10 to 11, you lose functionality. The taskbar, as we all know, is sort of a, not a great experience uh, for diehard Windows users, younger people and, and people who just don't care. It's fine, but if you're used to right-clicking on the taskbar or moving it to the top or the sides, which by the way, Microsoft, I think it was the dev team did an insider podcast uh, this past couple days. And they even talked about 
how with Windows 11, the taskbar is all new, which basically means that they have to rebuild internally all the experiences, which is a big challenge. It's a big challenge. And they even talk about how it's not a priority to be able to move your taskbar around. So if you're in a Windows 10 environment and you have users who put it on the right or the top and you move them to 11, they're going to be mad, like unless they buy a third party product like Start 11. Uh, so is it ready for businesses? It's ready for businesses from a perspective of is it stable and secure? Yes. Does it make sense to upgrade? I'm not sure. I'm not so sure you that. Uh, Mr. PKI, Mr. Traveling PKI, I believe, coming in here saying, Hi, Brad, I am wondering with all the new Windows 11 features coming out, do they still support running the legacy Zoom applications so we can listen to the SAMS report on our new systems for many years to come? Uh, you should be able to run the Zune app. Microsoft hasn't removed any backwards compatibility from Windows 11, at least from my experience. In worst case scenario, you should be able to run it in compatibility mode. So that should be possible. And you are one of the tried and true legacy users of Zune. I looked uh, right before this podcast, and I think there's like eight people who listen to this podcast that you're listening to right now on a Zune. If you're watching it on YouTube, you're like, this is a puck. It's also available on iTunes and a whole bunch of other places. Um, so yeah, so like the eight people um, stand proud with your brown zooms. And there you go. Another question. Do you have any idea if the new Windows 11 personal data encryption is the same as Windows encryption file system? Or is this a completely new additional file encryption mechanism being introduced? This is a great question. So Microsoft did this. I, I'm not convinced, as Mr. PKI here uh, alludes, that this is an entirely new system. Microsoft, I believe it's called Quick Assist. I think that's what it was. It was like a real quick, easy way to remote desktop into somebody else's machine and assist them. Microsoft effectively repackaged and rebranded this as remote desktop support and it's going to charge like $3 and 50 cents a month or something like that for business users to adopt this feature per month per user, it's like $46 a year or something, whatever, like crazy like that. And so I'm not, I haven't dug into it too much, but it would not surprise me if it's, if it's an update or a repackaging of certain things that Microsoft already had and, and putting a new coat of paint on them. You're not, I don't think you're too far from the truth there, Mr. PKI. Will R says, hey Brad, I heard soon that Microsoft is putting out a silent revision of the Series X where the chip will be made on TSS, TSMC 6 node and it might have a slightly cooler and, and uh, power supply because of the improved chip. Is it true? PS Start 11 is awesome. Thank you for the Start 11. Um, I believe this is true. I believe this is true. Now, don't please don't run with headlines. I, I know that Microsoft was working on revisions of the chip. Um, first off, let, let's take a step back here. Microsoft is always working on revisions of the hardware. You've got to remember, while the console has been out 18 months, whatever we're at now, something like that, the console that Microsoft initially started building was signed off on probably 14 months, some 12 months before it actually shipped. So it, it's a, in the world of technology, it's a dated design. And so as soon as Microsoft signs off on, okay, this is what we're going to market with. This is what's going to be mass produced. This is what's going on. Every iteration after that is for the next generation. Now, are we going to see performance improvements? Are we going to see anything else? I do not believe so. But Microsoft is always working on making cooler, more efficient chips because that lowers the cost of production. Uh, we know that because we've seen various versions of the Xbox One. There was like, I think it was called the Xbox One E. I think it was the second generation. I might be wrong on, on that, but I know that there was an E revision somewhere, maybe A, B, C, D, E. Maybe that was the fourth revision um, along the way. But I believe it is accurate that Microsoft is working on a smaller, uh, more power efficient chip. That is, I, I'm very confident in that. I don't know if it's on TSMC 6 node, and I don't know when it's arriving, but I am absolutely confident to the highest degree that that other part is right. 
And the last question of the week, which required a splice because he pronounced his name in his comment, uh, Broom Fondle says, uh, do you have any solution with Start 11 or is Windows 11 not showing corner icons? I work on a large monitor and I've always had it set to show the icons as I have a, a lot of screen real estate. Now, if any programs get updated, I end up seeing that carrot icon for no good reason. So what he's talking about here is the system tray truncates things and he wants it to just show everything all beautiful all the time. We are not, as of right now, we're not currently working on that with Start 11. Let me explain why. The system tray is a very scary place. <laughs> It's, it's very scary. I shouldn't say very scary. We can and, and play with this area. We've poked at it a bit, but the problem is, is that it's really dynamic. What comes in and out of system tray isn't exceptionally well-defined, if you will. And so for us to go in there and tinker and play with it makes it a little bit harder and a little bit more scary. We're not, I'm not saying we wouldn't ever include something like this in Start 11, uh, but I'm not aware if Microsoft is doing this because Panos is leading the charge here and Panos likes things clean and simple and compact. And um, that's kind of what you're getting there in the system tray. And that's why you see icons all smashed to the center, which by the way, um, I don't want to make this a Start 11 ad, but we did bring ungrouping to Windows 11. And so what that is, is if you're not familiar, let's see, you have two versions of Edge or two iterations of Edge open. Right now it's just one icon. Um, but they're kind of stacked where well, you can ungroup them like you can on Windows 10. The reason why we don't allow the start button to be in the center with ungrouping is that it gets, it, it's weird. I'm not saying we wouldn't ever do it, maybe allow it, but it's a funky experience because the start menu button just smashes over to the left. Uh, once you get a couple windows open, like on a Surface Book like this, you just end up left aligned anyway through the natural uh, expansion of the taskbar. And so I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons why Microsoft never brought it, because if you want that experience on running a centered experience, which is candidly what Microsoft wants, they want everybody running in this modern centered mobile ish like or mobile inspired experience turning on ungrouping wrecks that like it it, it makes it not good and so um yeah anyways that was sort of a bit of a tangent of things that we played with and, and ideas that we consider to improve windows 11 to make it more personal and productive uh either way friends it was a good week i had a good week um i actually next week's podcast will be interesting because i am actually i've got jury duty next week i i find out later today if i have to report down on monday and so i'm not quite sure what will happen with this podcast i want to still do the podcast because again this is this is like my my moment of zen each week i love this and it, it makes me happy and i do it even when only my mom listened to it because at one point only my mom did listen to it i think my mom listened to it maybe even she didn't whatever uh anyway so if something happens next week and you don't hear a podcast it's because i had jury duty and things i just got yeah life goes on either way friends hope you had a wonderful week as always keep it subscribed here because the only bs on this podcast is me <laughs>